What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network, brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On to get 20% off. I am your host, Adam Mattis, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Moore. Matt, how are you doing on this fine, what is it, Wednesday? Yeah, I think it's Wednesday. What is time, really? But yeah, it's. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm uh, feeling good, uh, alternating with periods of panic and terror again as the country continues its uh, COVID, I don't know, it's not two, it was always kind of here, but our second spike in this ent- entire theater as the NBA tries to get its bubble launched as we deal with uh, a whole host of things going on all the time and everything remains very fraught, as I keep saying. <laughs> fraught. Fraught. That's but- the word of the, uh, of, the, of the quarantine. I will. I can advise you, get a bird feeder. Very calming. Very, um, you know, puts the world a little bit back in perspective. The birds seem fine. I've been drawing. I, I've learned hand, so I did some woodworking. I'm going to yeah. build a planter box this weekend. I've been drawing on my iPad. I've been drawing like trees and, and things in the yard and just like doing more. I want to do things for whatever reason. I just really want to do things with my hands right now. That's like what I want to do. Are you naturally talented at drawing? Because I, I have a theory that people are either naturally good or naturally terrible. Um, I'm not naturally talented. I think that there are certain things I would disagree with that because there are certain things that I can draw pretty well and have it look pretty good. And there are certain things that I can't draw at all. Okay. Alrighty. This reminded me of the uh, 10 gallon hat sketch from SNL, but (laughs) I guess we're going too far off of off base with this. Um, We kind of have, I mean, we kind of have NBA news today. We talked to Michael Malone for the first time in over a month. Uh, He addressed the Denver media, actually not just the Denver media, just a a whole host of media from all around um, and, and sort of talked about a variety of different things today. What was your biggest takeaway from that uh, sort of digital scrum that we had with Coach today? So a lot of the conversation was around social justice, and this is the first opportunity that Malone's really had to speak to the entire media um, since, I don't know how you would describe it, because like, it's not like Black Lives Matter stopped being a thing, but since uh, this recent real surge of momentum towards social justice, that's how I'll phrase it. Um, since that movement kind of took shape, this has been his first chance to speak really publicly about it. So he had lots of thoughts on that. He talked about his feelings on the resumption, which I want to get into a little bit. Um, the question I was most interested in were more practical terms. And the question I asked him in, in the scrum was uh, if any players had opted out. Uh, and because today is the soft date for them to tell their teams and to make the announcement that they're withdrawing. Now, certain players have not, uh, that are still on the fence. We are going to see more come to that conclusion late. But several teams have said today that they have been they have no indications of players opting out, including the Celtics, including yeah. uh, some of the other other squads that are involved. Uh, and the Nuggets, Malone said, no one has informed the front office or coaching staff that they will not be playing or coming to Orlando. But Malone was was very uh, adamant to make sure that it was noted that if they reach that decision, he's completely supportive of that decision. Yeah. It, it it's weird to me that he couldn't say definitively that everybody's in or everybody's out. And I understand it. I mean, you're not going to say that until you absolutely can. But do you really think that there's any uncertainty about who is going to play and who is not? I, assuming circumstances don't change. Obviously, somebody gets sick or gets hurt or has a family event that changes things. But do you really think that – do you take him at face value that things are still up in the air for who's going to be there? Yes. Um, Man. 
Yeah, well, I think it, I think looking part of it is they just had this new round of tests. They just had all these. Yeah. these um, and one of the things that is going to be an uncomfortable part of the conversation over the next several weeks, uh, and this was illustrated by a lot of the comments from across the league and various um, media availabilities, like other players held that media availabilities for teams today. The Nuggets did not, I think in large part because they got a bunch of positives. Right. And like, Jokic is not back in Serbia yet. Like I will go ahead and and like I will Malone confirmed that I think today, but I had that yesterday. The Malone that Jokic is not back in Serbia yet. Yeah, he did confirm it today, right? Yeah. So like he's on Serbian time, so can't be really having Joker doing a, a media availability. Oh man, <laughs> I didn't yeah. even think about the time change thing because yeah. So Malone said today that that was you know, probably my biggest takeaway was just the Jokic timeline. We've been waiting to hear an update on him. He said he feels great. Um, and, and, you know, there's certain things we just talked about. Coaches sometimes will hedge their bets or they'll make a soft statement or whatever. He was pretty adamant about Jokic feeling fine, you know, not even feeling fine, feeling great, really being asymptomatic. And then also that their hope and expectation, I think that's the exact phrase he used, hope and expectation is that Jokic will be on the flight to Orlando next week along with the team. So he is still in Serbia, but um, the team expects him to be back here quickly and participating fully, which... Again, I'm, you're not going to know until you actually play the games, but at least the team seems fairly optimistic that Jokic is going to be a go. I do want to note, uh, I found this in the protocol today as I was reviewing it. I have a copy of the protocol. Um, Yo- Joker will have to travel separately to Orlando. Oh, really? Yes. So the way it goes is if you have tested positive in the first round since June, since, since, uh, June 16th um, or 23rd or whenever it was, any time before, uh, you have to travel separate. So all of these players that have traveled that have tested positive will have to travel separately. Mm. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Um, it didn't seem like Malone knew that because he specifically, the way he phrased it, I thought was interesting because I always assumed, well, if he's not here now, maybe they'll just meet down in Orlando and fly directly. It saves you a little bit. Um, but maybe even he wasn't aware of, of sort of that. There was also the news, um, you know, over the weekend that two other members of the traveling party um, tested positive i know a lot of people had speculated that you know was it a player was it specific players that they'd seen on instagram i don't i don't know the answer to this but i know a lot of the players people have thrown out as speculations have been in you know working out and whatever since then is there anything else you have or 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 want to share about that report about the the additional positive tests so i think um the best way to kind of talk about this is is I do. I, I have stuff to talk about with it. I don't have anything to share in terms of that. What I do have is uh, I had gotten this yesterday and then got confused on it. Uh, and so I changed, like, I was like, oh no. And then I deleted it. And then I got reconfirmed after Mike Singer had confirmed it. So Mike uh, re-scooped me on this. Congratulations to <laughs> Mike. Great reporter for the Denver Post. Uh, all the, everyone so far is asymptomatic. That's what mm. I've, that's okay. what I, that everyone is asymptomatic. Uh, give me one second, Adam. I gotta... mm-hmm. So as of now, everyone that I, as far as I know, everyone is asymptomatic. Um, yeah. And that could change, right? Because one of the things that we're learning is like you can test positive 
and several days go by and then it turns out like, oh no, then, then they got sick. Um, the odds of testing positive, I, I think increase as you become symptomatic, but that's all, a lot of this stuff is very nebulous. Um, to this end, it's important to note that everyone that's like reacting the way that they are on social media about these positive tests seem to fail to understand that these players aren't getting the, they're not going into Pepsi center and getting it. They're taking it (laughs) and bringing it like, and and this is just the thing. I don't think that the majority of players, I think there are some that are really concerned and really informed and know about the severity of this and are really genuinely scared shitless the way that I am for say. Um, I think the majority of players are largely like, that's fine. Like, I don't think it's as much of a concern for them as, as honestly, it's probably going to need to be in order for the bubble to maintain integrity. Yeah, that might, that last part, especially, I think might be true. And to be honest with you today on the phone call, Michael Malone was much more emphatic and, uh, and seemed to be much more focused on sort of the social unrest in, in the country and in that sort of portion of it than he was the, the coronavirus portion of this, which, you know, I thought was interesting. Somebody asked him if he felt, you know, safe or whatever. And he said, well, I'm going. So of course, you know, I feel safe enough to be going or whatever. Um, so yeah, was there anything else that, that jumped out? I'll, I'll share one thing that I thought was interesting and it was really more of a like, I'm curious to see where this goes, but somebody asked him about his focus and, you know, strategic focus for the team. And he kind of said, I'll be honest with you. My only focus through this is going to be keeping the team together. And what I think he means by that, at least what I interpret him to mean by that is, this is basically a full off season and then you have eight games and then you're in a playoffs. It's not going to be like most seasons from a coaching standpoint, from a coaching perspective where, you know, there's layers in the first month we're going to work on our deep base defense. And we're going to spiral off it. It sounds like he was thinking everything's going to be simple. We're not going to get complex with any part of the basketball port of this. It's just about inside a bubble for three months. We need to be a cohesive unit. Everybody needs to be happy. And that's where his focus is going to be. And I found that interesting because we've speculated about this and how this tournament's going to look from a purely basketball standpoint. But I really do think this is going to be some very basic basketball from an X's and O standpoint, some extremely basic basketball. And, you know, so I just found that interesting. What did, what did you make of that comment? Malone's comments echoed a lot of what I've, I've heard from executives when I've been asking about the restart, which is, I, I was honestly a little surprised because most of these guys are competitors and most of these guys really love basketball, even at the executive level. Like they're just like, they like they live and die with these teams. No one's excited. Yeah. <laughs> no one's, no one's like, it's gonna be great. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. You don't have- think anybody's excited. I don't I, know about that. Nobody's I, excited. I think it's, I think it's really genuinely is like, I think it really genuinely is at the base level for most people. I'm not going to say universally, but for most people, I think it's very much a, this has got to get done. We got to do this. Man, I, man, I, I hope you're wrong about that. I mean, I don't know. I hope you're wrong about that because they're, part of what makes sports entertaining is the fact that people actually genuinely in the core of themselves care about the outcome of it. So the players aren't excited about it. To me, that's, that's a, that's one of the more discouraging things I've heard, you know, as this a bubble approaches. Look, it's one of the reasons why everyone's very adamant the basketball is going to be terrible. Like it's not only nobody the- cares. Well, <laughs> that should be the slogan for the bubble. Nobody, nobody wants to be here. Nobody's excited. Oh, here's the difference. Um, I guess that they don't care because they're competitors. Yeah. 
and like some guys had comments today on other teams that were talking about like I'm really excited to go hoop again and like that stuff. But like there's also been comments about like it's gonna feel a little bit like a glorified pickup game. Like there's been a lot of those comments. A lot of it is the aura, the NBA for all of its in-game product faults, and God knows I think there are many. Um, when you run out of that tunnel with people reaching out their arms to give you five, and the crowd goes, you know, it's Pepsi Center, so like mildly excited to raucous, depending on the game importance. Mm. Um, when you come out and there's that big cheer and then you're in warm-ups and the music's thumping and you're going through it and the crowd, everyone's on you and you're like, it's like a gladiator performance. Yeah. And at a way we have to, but we're taking that away. And these guys are now in, in what's going to feel like a pickup performance. And so I think the level of intensity is going to vary. I think there are going to be guys that are going to be completely, they're going to respond to the moment. Like, mm. Damian Lillard's comments today have me like very confident the Blazers are not going down without a fight. Like there's a lot of reasons to think the Blazers are just going to give up because yeah. Ariza's out. They got a tough schedule. It's been a nightmare of a year. They're hanging on by a thread in terms of their rotation, all of these things. But Dame is like, I'm not going out. I'm not going out. To, I'm not going to go hang out. I'm not worried about golf. I'm going into my, like, I'm going to play. I'm going to do my conditioning. I'm going to go into my room. I've got my Xbox and my studio equipment. I'm good. Like, yeah, Game's locked in, right? Yeah. I think that the teams at the top are going to be in that same opportunity. Um, but I think that a lot of the teams are going to struggle a little bit with like, this is, and this honestly, I've been saying this pretty consistently. A lot of the problems about the bubble are being are reflections of what the NBA's general product issues are. And this is indicative of it where if you don't feel like you have a shot at a title, how much does it feel like you are, is worth being there? The thunder to me, or the <laughs> this bothers me so much. Honestly, I don't know if I can keep going with this, Matt. I don't. It's not that I don't. I doubt what you're saying is true. I just philosophically and morally, I find it so like well, no, and like upsetting that people would not 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 be bought into the idea of competing at the thing they they do. Right. I it just that's just well, I have a hard time accepting that. This is also part of it. Is like this is one of the things that separates the great players from the good. So yeah. like. I'm, Take a, think about the Oklahoma City Thunder roster, okay? And, like, I will go ahead and say, like, Chris Paul is going to be dialed in. Like, Chris Paul 100% is going to be there, and he's going to, like, absolutely be ready to compete and is going to want to, like, rip your throat out. Uh, Steven Adams is going to do his job. He's going to hit you. He's going to do all the stuff that he does. He's going to play hard. I have zero doubts about that. But you go down the rest of the Oklahoma City roster, and if you are not, if you're like, we're not winning a title, then what are you doing there? Yeah, again, this isn't, it's not about the, it's, the to me, the, <laughs> this is a whole other show. Maybe we'll do another whole show about this because we're going to have time. There's going to be plenty of opportunities to talk about why I find it absolutely absurd that anybody would give anything less than like at least close to full effort for these types of things. But you know what? I guess maybe it's part of human nature. Let's take a break though, because there is more news to get to. Of course, the Nuggets facility has closed. This almost feels like a little bit old news, although it's just it's actually not. It's extremely recent. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about what that means and why it happened. Back 
Frank here on the Locked On Nuggets podcast presented by Built Bar. Don't forget to go to BuiltBar.com. I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Moore. And Matt, so over the weekend, or actually, I guess it was early in this week, it was revealed that the Nuggets were closing their training facility because two more members of the, the traveling party tested positive, and that's league protocol. You got to shut things down for a little bit. This was the week that things were supposed to kind of become official, and there are teams that have their players in their practice facilities and are working out. So what do you make of the fact that Denver is not going to be able to do that? Is it a big disadvantage? Uh, and how does that throw things off as they prepare to head into the bubble? So I don't think that there's any sort of like, I don't think there's a disadvantage to this because most of the guys have been doing conditioning on their own and that's all they're doing. Like yeah. Giannis said on a call that all they can do in those workouts is they can lift and they can shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, like those guys, most of them have found alternatives to, you know, working out at home through whatever capacity. So their conditioning is, their conditioning is whatever their conditioning is based off of the amount that they've put into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Shooting. Sure. But I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of concern for an extra four or five days of shooting for professional NBA players. Like I think they'll probably be okay. Um, It's more the optics of it. Like that's the thing is like when it was announced, everybody like treated like this big news and they keep having to be like, they expected positive tests. It's not surprising. The, The Nuggets preemptively, like Malone said this, like as a precaution, shut down the facility because they don't want to risk another outbreak. But this isn't like preventing them from any sort of serious prep. There's no serious prep to be had. Like, no. not. Now, I wonder, this is one of the things that's kind of interesting with Malone's comments, right? About like, you know, I want everybody to have fun. Like he's really concerned about like the mental aspect of it, about everybody being in a good space. Yeah. Which is understandable because you and I have talked about this throughout the year. The Nuggets at times had like a really like, they were a funky bunch. Yeah. Uh, well, you take on the mood of your leader and, and Jokic is just emotionally, he's very volatile, right. very up and down. And so like, he's trying to keep a positive attitude, but I also wonder like, you know, you've got eight games, you've only got eight games and you get a day in between each one to kind of prep. And so you could like, you could prep two or three games ahead. I kind of wonder if there will be more or if they're just going to do like you talked about, like so everything is just going to be extremely basic. We're just going to try and get through these things. Because I feel like there's a competitive advantage to be had if you're like, no, 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 we're going to actually game plan a little bit for, for these eight. Well, one of the things I have a real question about with NBA basketball that I would love to like really get to the bottom of this, I think it would take a full maybe hours-long conversation with coaching staffs to really know is how much of basketball needs to be orchestrated? Because I've always wondered if, if there's something to you build in a few simple basic um, principles, your smarter players are going to be able to, to use those principles to create millions and millions of combinations and just to play beautiful basketball. I wonder if Jokic is, Jokic is obviously like exhibit A. I think he maybe is the number one player in the NBA at being able to play sort of that brand of basketball where everybody has the basics and then you just you just kind of improvise off of that. So I wonder if there is an advantage to this Nuggets team specifically from things being so simple and so reduced and, you know, basically it, it, to use a football metaphor, you're almost just going to be running the hurry up offense but for the entire the entire time, because there's not enough time to put in a bunch of plays. Just you have your three base ones go out there and 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 improv off of them. What do you what do you make of that sort of perspective on it? So there's one of the things that, that uh, it shows the just real ignorance on the part of the media, and I'm not saying that in a them way. I'm saying that in an us way. So like the 2015 Hawks are the exact epitome of this, where they basically reveal they're like, yeah, we don't really run plays. Like everything is read. 
Like everything is read and we just make the right reads based off of the, the simple elements that we have in play. Like we know how to play together and we make the right reads and everybody makes the right read and we have shooters and scorers and versatility and it works. Um, and when that came out, it was like, really like, what, you know, cause we're used <laughs> to the idea of like the coach, like yells out a word with a, with a motion and the point guard holds up a, a hand to indicate what the play is and, you know, complicated X, Y, and Z. And it turns out like one of the most efficient offenses of the last 10 years was basically just like, Oh, you just like play. Can I tell you, I don't think that's shocking. And, nope. and, and, and it's not because like, Oh, I know better this or that. I, I honestly probably am missing something, but I don't understand it. So much of like the structure to what teams run bec- is like inherently limited. If you have, and I wonder if it's just because players aren't capable of running, you know, read and react offenses, if they're just not familiar with it or not enough time to build in those principles or whatever. But to me, I'm surprised teams orchestrate the offense as much as they do. The most complex thing to defend is an offense that has multiple reads out of every action. So to me, I'm not, I'm not at all surprised by that. Right. I, I, and I'm not, su- I'm not surprised that you're not surprised. <laughs> players would be like, well, yeah. And so, like, this is like a real gap between the media and and fans to a large degree, and I think players and coaches and experienced basketball people. Like, I'm free to leave, I'm free to like, I'll freely admit that. I do think though that a lot of it depends on like it has to be personnel driven, and this is where like if you, like as the Hawks team as an example, and they're not the only one, but they're an at they're an example. Um, you have you had Al Horford, Jeff Teague. Paul Millsap, Kyle Korver, Damari Carroll on that team. Yeah. And all of those guys are smart basketball players that are yeah. able to keep a and not just smart, they're aware basketball. Yeah. Yeah. And what you have a lot of the time, I think, is you have a lot of players that don't have that level of awareness. And like, what's the number one offensive thing that drives coaches nuts? What what drives them more insane than anything? I don't know. Offers. Jumpers? Turnovers. Oh, turnovers. <laughs> it's turnovers. Turnovers drive them nuts because it's failure to even get a shot. Yeah, it's- I don't – see, I th- – yeah. And I view turnovers differently, but yeah. And that's the thing. This has always been <laughs> the thing is like, is like I think – I don't think players consider it to be such a liability. Like even – like the Warriors are a great example of this in that like Kerr was was able to be like, I wish they would they would they would have fewer turnovers. It drives me nuts, but I understand it's part of like this is part of who we are. And then and because he was willing to say like this is part of who we are, you also had Curry and KD who would openly say like, yeah, my turnovers are too high. I got to do better on that. Yeah. Like it's not like oh, I don't care about turnovers. It's just like, well, yeah, they're a little high. Like I get them down without sacrificing the way that you play that led to those turnovers. Like, that's the key, right? Is like. You play the way that, that you play that creates those turnovers. You just do it better so you don't turn the ball over. Yeah. For, um, the, for the record, I've actually talked to the coaching staff about this a little bit and gotten some answers, especially I think I'm talking to Wes Unseld last summer, uh, over the summer about this. Somebody, there was a coach, I think I retweeted this a few days ago, some college coach that broke down Denver's offense, the, as he called it, the jungle offense, which is a college term. Uh, the Nuggets have different names for it. But they're talking about basically all of these different and, – and people talk about them as plays, but they're really just reads within the same framework. And I asked, I've asked the coaching staff about this, like, are you guys calling for which 
sort of read you want. And he said it was about 50-50. So I know the Nuggets do just sort of improvise and, and do whatever, but it, but there is still a lot of like, hey, this is the action you want. And again, this is like an ignorant take. It'd be a great sort of conversation or something to ask a coaching staff about. But in my opinion, that it'd almost be like 90 to 90%, 10% would be like the right mix of that. But, you know, maybe, maybe we'll find out because I don't think teams are going to be able to put in a whole lot of nuance. So maybe they're going to rely on their players and maybe the players early on kind of prove that they can get into lots of different types of looks out of the same offense and it just by you know sort of natural read and react I think what happens often is that teams will run the exact same uh, options out of a play when they're just running free flow because they're comfortable they're most comfortable with certain things so anyway it'll be an experiment I think in basketball and and, and one I'll be looking forward to watching uh, as they get back let's take another break though Matt on the other side we're going to talk about game shape because everybody right now is talking about, oh, we're not in game shape. I'm in great shape. I'm just not in game shape. What does that mean? We're going to talk about that when we come back. Final segment here on the Lockdown Nuggets podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Moore. So, a lot of people are talking right now about game shape and it's funny because people are saying, Oh, I run this much. I'm doing conditioning, but I'm not in game shape in the NBA. It's kind of an interesting term. What, what's your sort of, I mean, what's your take on what the difference between being in the type of shape players are in right now in the type of shape they need to be in to be in quote game shape. And then there's playoff shape on top of that, which is a whole different shape. Yeah. I think uh, I'm more interested in your thoughts on this. I think as somebody that, um, as a as a career as a player i think i'm more interested in what you think about it all mm. i say is like this is definitely something that players talk about and it was mentioned today that look you can run you can run all you want i think it was Kimball walker that said this you can run all you want but it's just not game shape it's yeah different because of i think the specific actions that you have to take in a basketball game i think it's the specific movements i think it's like anything where like look if i run every day if i run a 5k every single day and like, I'm trying to do that five times a week now. Um, and then you ask me to go in and do a CrossFit workout just because I could do the 5k. I can't do the CrossFit workout. Yeah, I totally. Like I, I can't do, you know, complex planks or burpees or those kind of things. Like every physical activity requires a different range. And, and this is also something that uh, was talked about in Epstein's range, the book. Um, it does relate a little bit to like specialization and about how it limits your ability to do total things. And that's one of the reasons you've had this real development across the last 10, 15, well, really 20 years of what's being called like total body fitness in like casual terms. It's why so many of the NBA teams have added all these different exercises that they do with those guys now, ropes and everything else yeah. is looking for flexibility, mobility, and strength on top of just basic. I can run, I can jump. Yeah. And you're right about the training portion of this because I do think they're better at it now than ever before. But the flip side of that is that these guys aren't playing and they're doing even less because they've been quarantined and because they've been kind of, you know, having to socially distance from everyone, including the training staff. So, um, I went out and hit golf balls on Tuesday, I think, or no Monday, I, I think, and I've never played golf. And my body is sore because those are muscles I've never used before, right? There's certain one. I'm, golf is very easy. Like the the sticks weigh like a, a pound. You know, it's it, it's not. It, you wouldn't think it's physically taxing, but it's muscles you don't use. And 
I think the same is true of, of basketball in a lot of ways in that you can run, you can train, you can do all the very specific types of exercise that NBA training staffs have you do to fire up those muscles you're going to use. But until you're actually in the post, you know, banging up a bodies up against Dwight Howard or sprinting up the court or trying to get around a screen until you're doing that at an NBA level, I don't, you know, those muscles just aren't being fired up. So that I think is a huge part of it. But another part, and this is where you asked me about going back. It's funny, man. I went, I'm 36 years old. I entered college at 18. That was half a lifetime ago. So we're actually, I've been thinking about this a lot lately that my, whatever experience I have playing some semblance of a higher level of basketball, so half a lifetime ago. But one thing I will say is we trained, we did, we had to pass a conditioning test the weekend before the season kicked off. And that test was, I think, 18 suicides in 30 seconds for, for in, or no, 20 suicides in 18 minutes with 30 seconds being you had to get every single one done in 30. It was incredibly difficult, but it was like, that was the baseline before you started playing basketball. Because then once you started playing and doing all those things, your conditioning went up another level. And I think the reason is, as hard as you can push yourself when you're doing conditioning drills, you push yourself that much harder when it's win or lose. And so, you know, fourth quarter of a game or whatever, you're, it's not just that you're tired but pushing through it. It's that you're pushing yourself to as close to your limit as you can because if you don't, you're going to get outworked and beat. So I think that's another part of it is most players when they're exercising or working out are probably somewhere around 80%. But in an NBA game, to really get the best out of yourself, you're pushing yourself to a lot closer to a hundred. Yeah. I think so much of it too is the basic dynamics of basketball in terms of being, it's not like any sort of other conditioning performance in terms of you're going to run until X, you're going to run to the line. You're going to run back. Right. Uh, right. Or, you know, you're doing a 40, uh, you know, whatever it is, like those are all regimented in terms of, Oh, you're going to go for 45 seconds and then you're going to stop. It's like in basketball, it's like you're going to move really fast for 10 seconds and then you're going to kind of slow down and then you have to go like, you have to run the length of the court. Right. Seconds. Okay. Now you get way back. And yeah. Then, and now there's a timeout. Like it's, and, and that I think plays a part. I think also uh, some of it too is just basic. It's the feel stuff of, I can't imagine going three months without playing basketball and that's not the case for a lot of these guys i want to make that very clear there's been a lot of open runs without masks (laughs) um but some guys i think really have probably adhered to it and so imagine going three full months and Mm. the time that you go up for a layup and that guy like fouls you body to body right the first time that that happens that's a shock you know and so you have to get past that to where this is one of the things like you have to get to a point where contact is routine for you. It's not something that you can just selectively choose to like, okay, I'm going to take contact. Now you have to be ready for it at all times and just be like, there's contact. I'm used to it. Like I can finish this layup because I've been hit a hundred times. I know how to do this. Um, and just, you know, then there's all the, the movements that are involved in basketball too, like jab steps and, and everything else that you have to get used to. So I think that the, the, there definitely is a lot for them to get done between now and, you know, July 30th when games tip. It should be noted, uh, Monty Williams did confirm today on his call that they are going to have preseason games. Um, I have no clue on those being televised. <laughs> I have word on those. Um, yeah. I mean, heck, man, I'll be watching. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'd watch, I'd watch preseason anything right now. Um, another thing I'm thinking about here as you're talking is, 
and I actually think this is as big a part of it as anything is that so much of the game is mental. And I've been thinking about this even more since, you know, Kobe died, to be honest with you, because it's provided an opportunity to sort of relitigate some of his philosophies on sports. And I really do believe that so much of professional sports is mental and just the mental toughness and getting your mind to be as sharp and tough as possible. And one thing you can't replicate, no matter how hard you try in training is how you feel emotionally during a game and how that affects your, your body. So if you think about it, if you're running sprints or you're at red rocks and you're doing all of those things, even if you're pushing yourself as hard as you can, what you're not feeling is nervousness, um, anger, uh, you know, frustration, um, fear even, all of those things. It's impossible to feel those things that you are no, absolutely going to feel in this bubble event. So that's another just sort of example where these guys, I, it's not that they haven't been facing adversity through quarantine. It's just a very specific type of emotion that they haven't felt that they're going to be thrust into almost immediately. Um, and I think that's another, another part of game shape. And by the way, I think that's another part of of playoff shape. We always hear from veteran players. Yeah. Well, you never know how young guys are going to respond their first time in the playoffs. I think that's what they're talking about. You don't know how a player is going to respond when it's like, Hey, this quarter you, we have to win or else we're done. Um, In the the emotional and physical toll that takes on you, I think is, I think it's underrated. And that's under normal conditions, you know, like (laughs) right. The heightened stress, I think and to keep in mind, the players are really concerned about their mental health. Yeah. Um, all the conversations and all the topics that have been discussed from Adam Silver and Chris Paul and like little player snippets, like everybody's really worried about their mindset over, you know, if you get there on July 30th and you're leaving in October, um, that's a long time to do nothing but play basketball, play cards, um, I guess, yeah. maybe swim. I think it I think it really I, I'm with you. I think that's the aspect that we can see real in, in both directions. Snowball for teams or players that sort of lose control and and it's just like it's a downward spiral that that's even harder to recover from because you don't have your loved ones there to sort of, you know, your support system in place. But then also in the other direction, you might get momentum and you're just feeling great and you can ride that wave because everyone else is feeling it and you kind of are riding a high. I I think that's actually going to be one of the main storylines of this bubble tournament is that we're going to see more emotional volatility from from players and teams. Yeah, like we're going to have fights, man. Like we're just... Oof. Oh. We're going to have fights. Um, And this is one of the things is if somebody's in a mood in a locker room, everyone knows it. It's so transparent that the media picks up on it. Like we're all... Like that guy's like, he's in a pretty bad, like he doesn't seem like he's doing well. Right. right? Like something's going on in the locker room. There's some sort of discord. Like even if we don't know the specifics of what the dispute is, like we're just able to pick up on that stuff. And then you're inside of this environment where every, like the, the level of patience that people are going to, cause you can't just be like, all right, like he's annoying me. I'm just going to go home and chill and get some distance. You know, I'm going to skip practice or conditioning or whatever. And just like, I just need a few days. Can't do that. Yeah. You're just there. You're there with everybody. So um, it's it's going to be tough. Like I I do have an appreciation, even though like they're staying at a Disney resort and they'll have all sorts of stuff, and they are still you know, and the the whole thing of like playing a game. And these guys do love the game, most of them. And I think that I, I will say pursuing, and we should have definitely on another pod this week. We should talk about um, the whole question of motivation in this circumstance because I think it's mm. a really interesting and nuanced one that deserves its own time. But I do. <laughs> that 
even with my concerns about this stuff in the moment, I think most of these guys are going to respond because these are really amongst the most competitive people on the planet. I hope so. And I have, it's not even just a competitive, I have a lot of takes. I'm sure we could fill up a whole podcast. So maybe heading into the weekend, hopefully I won't get canceled because I have some, some real tough takes I think about it. And it, it just has more to do with, um, you know, people's responsibilities and, and everything else. So I think we could have a pretty nuanced and interesting discussion about it. But Matt, no no more press conferences until next Thursday. The Nuggets will be in Orlando the next time we talk to any members of the team, which um, that's one of the casualties of sort of the, the facility being closed is that the media, you know, is not going to have access to the, the players like that was anticipated. So unfortunately, we thought we would get some stuff this week, but it looks like we're going to have to wait till the end of next week. Yeah, I mean, I think um, we've waited. I'm on the other end here where I'm like, well, it's been four months. We can <laughs> might as well keep going. <laughs> what is time, really? What is time? You're right. Um, all righty. Well, Matt, think, uh, thanks so much. And everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll keep you posted with all the latest news, notes, and analysis as they trickle out. We'll see everybody next time.